show features Tyler Fornis and Deshaun Vaughn as they talk your Minnesota Vikings with you, the fans. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another CTP Monday. And this isn't just any CTP Monday. This is the first Monday of the regular season. We've waited so long, so long. And we got our guy here. We got our in-house expert on our uh, our opponent this week. Uh, everybody hates the Bengals now, so we brought in a Bengals writer <laughs> to uh, receive the brunt of that hate. Uh, welcome, everybody. We see Mary in the chat, as always. Dan is here. Raymond is here. Uh, let's get things rolling. Um, why don't you uh, introduce yourself, Mike? Uh, yeah, uh, I started doing Bengals stuff last year. And it kind of took off. Um, I just made an account. It was like a burner account, really. I just wanted to yell into the void about my favorite football team. <laughs> and then people were like, oh, this guy's posted a lot of film. He knows what he's talking about. So um, it started off, I, I was on smaller podcasts. I made a bunch of guest appearances. And then eventually James Rapine, who runs All Bengals, was like, you want to write for All Bengals? You do a lot of stuff. You got a lot of followers and whatnot. And then (laughs) because I played football uh, and I watch a lot of coaching clinics. So I try to stay knowledgeable about the game. And uh, then James is also part of Locked On Bengals. And so I started appearing on that as well. So a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Excited to talk to you guys about this game. Yeah. And uh as as always, I'm co-host Deshaun. Uh, you guys know me. I don't think I gotta do any introductions. Uh, Skull Vikings Jerome in the chat too. Love having you guys here. So you know, let's let's jump right into it. You know, um, yeah. And Tyler Tyler will be here very soon. It's week one. Week one is wacky. You know, especially a lot of starters out in the preseason. Roster shifting. Lots of offseason moves. What are your expectations for the Bengals coming out week one? Week one? Oh, I feel like I'm upset Bengals fans that tune in because I retweeted. I could see a win. I don't think that's impossible. It's like 60-40 to me because it's a home game. And you always give a home home team, I don't know, an extra 5% or so. I think the Vikings are the better team. And I think especially with Trey Wayne's out, this is starting to look a matchup. I don't foresee a win. I think the Vikings win by three, like 21-24. It could turn into a shootout, too. I don't know. I don't trust Zimmer to uh, <laughs> let it get to a shootout. It's the only <laughs> that thing. makes three of us. Yeah, he's, he was defensive coordinator here first. <laughs> so believe me, I, I know that he's really good at his job. So I people, some people have been saying, like, this could be a shootout. I'm like, other than last year where everybody was injured, he has had, what, a top 10, top 5 defense every single year in Minnesota? Yeah, so it's it's good that you bring that up. The Vikings are fielding, like, an entirely new-look defense. While that's generally a good thing, week one, it could be a bad thing. Uh, now that Tyler's here, I'm going to put him on the spot. Tyler, what is your expectations for the Vikings defense week one going against Joe Burrow, you know, Jamar Chase, who I guess forgot how to catch a pass, and T. Higgins, <laughs> who was actually pretty solid last year? 
look, it's going to boil down to this. It's going to be a massive disappointment if the Vikings don't uh, pressure the absolute hell out of Joe Burrow. That offensive line is suspect across the board. Like, we know what Riley Reef is because he was here last year. He was here for the past few years. He is a very capable average left tackle in the National Football League. You're going to probably pen him in between, like, left tackle, like, 11 and 18. So he's going to probably settle in right around, like, left tackle 14, 15. He's a very good football player. Now, when you have a really good offensive line across the board where there are no really weak holes, having a Riley Reef at left tackle is great because you really don't have to worry about anything on your offensive line. But when Riley Reef is far and away your best offensive lineman, as we have seen from uh, what the Bengals are presenting us, it's not a recipe for success. And I think we saw that a lot in the preseason with Joe Burrow and his struggles last year with his struggles with a poor offensive line. And getting his buddy Jamar Chase makes a lot of sense uh, from a chemistry perspective, from a how you want to run your offense perspective. But the lack of investment in the offensive line is a very frustrating one, um, especially considering, Mike, that you cover the team and you're a fan of them. It's very frustrating for the fact that like, you got to protect your star investment. And taking Jackson Carmen in round two uh, is not a great recipe for success because I didn't think he was a very good football player at Clemson. Definitely not worthy of a top 40 selection like he was. So uh, when it all boils down to it, the Vikings need to pressure the absolute hell out of Joe Burrow. And if they don't do that with the return of Daniel Hunter, who by all reports is 100% back and is ready to rock and roll and absolutely destroy quarterbacks this season, that you need to have some interior pressure from Dalvin Tomlinson and Sheldon Richardson and have a DJ Wanham be able to pressure from the outside opposite Daniel Hunter. Plus, Zipper, Zimmer gets very creative with his blitzes, and he has got two great blitzers in Kendrickson Barr. If he doesn't get pressure, it's an absolute failure from Mike Zimmer. And if he doesn't, Joe Burrow can eat because that quick offense where he just gets the ball out quickly to guys like T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, it can be very successful. But at the same time, Joe Burrow is coming off a devastating knee injury. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, in the preseason, he showed a little bit of tentativeness just with having comfortability with that knee. And having Jamar Chase drop every other pass, at least from what we've seen on uh, in film and everything that's been kind of shown to us in highlights, that yes, it's hyperbolic. But at the same time, it's a frustrating thing, and it can be a detriment at early on in the season. Deshaun's right. Week one is a week of chaos because there's just so much unknown with how things are going to go. And especially last year, week one, because there was no preseason. So it'll be very interesting to see. But at the end of my little mini rant, as I kind of join the show here, the Vikings don't pressure Joe Burrow. It's a failure. So th- there's a jury out on the Bengals offensive line, kind of something Vikings fans have been dealing with for a very long time. We think the offensive line sucks, man. <laughs> I'm going to just give it to you straight. We don't think the offensive unit is very good. I looked into it a little bit. Um, you guys do have some players there. Trey Hopkins, I was really surprised at how well he did at center. Um, I've seen the depth chart. Uh, I don't know how to say his last name, but Xavier, I think the left guard. He's uh, I think To Afila. To Afila. So he's slated to start over Carmen. Um, which kind of makes sense now that uh, Tyler is telling me that he wasn't great coming out. Um, hasn't played a lot of football lately, and the last time he did, he wasn't great. But in his limited roles, he's been pretty okay. They have Jonah Williams, I believe, at left tackle, Riley Reef at, at right tackle. And so what – going against this defense, of course, Daniel Hunter scares the heck out of everybody. I don't care who your right tackle is. He scares everybody. 
Do you think the Bengals can come out and win that trench battle against the Vikings? Do you see a scenario where maybe a Joe Mixon can control the game or maybe Joe Burrow gets that time in the pocket? Yeah, uh, there is, I think, two things I want to push back on just a little bit. I do think Jonah Williams is actually our best offensive lineman. He's only played 10 games in two years, so fair. He's healthy for this one, though. <laughs> um, yeah. He put on for uh, – Whatever camp hype you want, he put on about 20 pounds, and he looked like he moved well. Burrow also didn't play in the preseason other than three snaps. Uh, they were trying to protect him, and his three snaps were a jet sweep, a screen that Jamar dropped. He's actually dropped, not every other, 80% of his targets. <laughs> uh, uh, I think it definitely won't be that bad, but – the frustrating thing with that is that I was like, I have some mild concerns about like, can he start to release off the line, off press jam better? Can he uh, run these routes better than he did in college? And then it's like, oh, he's going to start dropping passes. Okay. I guess there's a new concern. <laughs> um, offensive line in general, though, that was the original question. I don't know. Uh, the nice thing when you only have one elite type rusher, like Daniel Hunter, is you could send help. Um you don't need to worry about we're going to slide the line or uh, chip with a tight end or a running back to Hunter. And then like, well, what do we do about the other side? Although is Griffin back? He worried yes. more than, than Wanham or Weatherly would uh, just because I think he's the Dwight Freeney type when he was with the Cardinals to come in for 10 snaps, ruin somebody's day <laughs> and leave. He's like the old man that could still do it. Um, so yeah, he worries me more than anybody else. Although, uh, yeah, the main problem with the Bengals' offensive line is the interior. And Trey Hopkins, like Deshaun said, had probably surprised you a little bit. I'm like, oh, this guy might be solid. He's coming off a week 17 ACL tear. <laughs> so oh, he's dealing with that. He's oh, playing. <laughs> he's playing, though. Uh, he's a trooper. And then left guard Quinton Spain had some success at some point. Uh, he's more fine here which I'll take, and then right guard Xavier Suofilo. I mean, his prime seems to be a little bit behind him, and his prime was never great. He was like a good sixth offensive lineman, a good guy you'd want there to swing between right and left guard, and he's starting. Um, so I don't know. Uh, if it gets to th – I was going to bring this up. The Bengals' entire strategy has to basically be don't let this game get to third and long because Zimmer will destroy us. And Vero's first game back, you don't want him taking seven, eight hits in a game. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like it's coach speak to say, like, we're going to stay ahead of the chains. We're going to do this, that. Um, but this week, more than any, you don't want to let Zimmer get into that pressure package and let Burrow take eight shots in this game. Um, we'll see if the offensive line can move anybody for Mixon to create, which I think he's a very talented running back. He's He's not Dalvin Cook, but I, I have him firmly in like that eight, nine, ten best running back area. Well, Dalvin Cook's in like mm -hmm. the one through four area <laughs> case for any of those spots. Um, so he can make a bad offensive line look below average, a below average offensive line look average, you know, like good running backs do. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be exciting. And I, I think um, I've heard rumblings from – uh, and this makes sense. You guys hired Carl Scott, the Alabama defensive backs coach, 
and you signed what feels like three giant defensive tackles, well, you already had Michael Pierce, but then you signed two more, is that you guys might run that tight front that's big in college a little bit with the defensive tackles just a tiny bit further out wide. And I'm interested, that's almost becoming the most interesting thing for me, if you guys use that, and then how do the Bengals deal with it? Because I don't think they've seen that at all yet, with uh, just in general, really. Um, that is interesting. We'll see what happens with that. Tyler, I'm going to flip it to our offensive line, maybe our biggest problem area. The Bengals have some guys on that defensive line that can give us some trouble. And we all know that, unfortunately, Derisaw is not good to go yet, and Rashad Hill has taken that those first mm-hmm. couple of snaps against a guy that's coming off a 14-sack season. Now, to granted, Hendrickson played with some great players on the Saints defensive line and his pressure and sack number was a tad bit disproportionate 50 pressures to 14 sacks. That's a little bit off. Do you think how much, how much trouble is Hendrickson going to give us against Rashad Hill? I think it's going to be less than uh, another defensive lineman would like if he was going up against a hyper athlete, I think Rashad Hill would have a lot more issue. The biggest problem with Rashad Hill is he's not a great enough athlete to be able to really get out onto the edge and deal with those players. Now, Hendrickson uh, wins a lot with strength. He wins a lot with length and he wins a lot with effort. Now he can do a lot of those athletic things, but he's not a phenomenal athlete. Like you see with a lot of high profile edges in the national football league. Same with Sam Hubbard. Uh, Both are very, very good football players and you want to have them on your team. But with what Rashad Hill's game is and his limited athletic skills, he's more of a technician and he he's not going to be pushed back as far as uh, power. He can, I think he'll be able to handle them well enough in a capable fashion to really not be a liability on the edge. And that's all you're asking of him until Christian Derisaw comes back. So as far as a matchup is concerned, this is about as favorable as it's going to get for what uh, Rashad Hill's skill set offers and I, I really like that from the Vikings' perspective. Now, uh, from the Bengals' perspective, I think you can still get creative, and I still think those guys can win. I just don't think it's going to be in as dominating of a fashion as if we were facing, say, a Miles Garrett week one a, or any kind of a super hyper-athlete edge, like maybe in a Nick Bosa, a Chase Young, guys who can win with speed and dominate on the edge like that. That's not really what Hendrickson and Hubbard are going to do best. They can do it, but I think Rashad Hill can keep up with those guys a lot easier. So I'm not as worried about it. But what I am worried about is the interior. DJ Reader eating Garrett Bradbury for lunch. That's what I'm going to be concerned with. Having Ole Udo next to Bradbury is going to be a big help because Ole Udo is a mammoth of a man. But Garrett Bradbury still has those 30 and a half inch arms, and he still struggles to anchor up and struggles with power. If Reader can play that zero technique and just get underneath his pads and push him back, that's going to scare me in the running game. So I, I'm, I think overall it's going to be a, a relatively balanced matchup throughout the offensive line and defensive line where I don't think anybody really is going to have a massive advantage or disadvantage. I think they're just going to go to war and it's going to be fun to watch. So looking at this Bengals defense, I think I've kind of spotlighted an area where I feel like the Vikings can really take advantage. So you mentioned DJ Reader. Um, actually, I looked this up and the Vikings, not the Vikings, the Bengals aren't a big interior pressure team. So actually, I think Bradbury will be okay in pass blocking in this game. And I think Ollie's really going to shine going against Larry 
I'm not sure how to. I think it's Ogan Joby. Ogan Joby. He's also not a massive pressure guy. I think he had 24, 25 playing for the Browns last season. So I think our interior guys are good. Now, I will say this to Sean. Ogan Joby played more of a one technique last year with the Browns, whereas yeah, with the Bengals, he's going to play more of a three technique. So he's going to be asked to do different things. And I think that's fair in mentioning as far as when we we're talking about that pressure number. Oh, yeah, it is very fair in mentioning. So when we, when we saw in the preseason how well O'Neal and Udo were blocking together, and when you look at the run defensive grades for this linebacker group, who's Jermaine Pratt, and who who's taking the most run defensive snaps next to Pratt? Is it Wilson or is it uh, Gaithers? Uh, Logan Wilson's going to probably be the most snaps on the team for linebacker. Uh, they usually remove Pratt for passing downs, even though he used to play safety. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, Logan Wilson is supposed to be a three-down backer this year. So I think if we can get past those guys, now Hubbard, solid run run defender uh, in his own right. But if we can get past those guys, I think Dalvin Cook eats those linebackers all day long. Now, I said this in a tweet earlier. I am kind of imagining a 2019 Falcons kind of deal if the defense can step up where it's just Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison all game. I don't think Mike, after the way Kirk Cousins started the season last year, I don't think Mike Zimmer wants to give Kirk a chance to do that again. So I think we're going to come out running a lot, very heavy, maybe a lot of play action. And I think we're going to target these linebackers. It sucks that we don't have Irv Smith because I feel like this was really a game where he could have shined. I'm not sure. I know Jesse Bates is like that center field guy and he's great at that. I'm not sure how his man coverage is. But I felt like this was a game where Irv could have shined. Now, Conklin still has a chance to do so. But I think we're going to target those linebackers, make that our game plan when attacking this defense. Even though we got the news Trey Waynes isn't playing, could be out up to a month, and J.J. and Adam Thielen are going against some two relatively unknown cornerbacks out there. Well, everybody knows Eli Apple, but not for good reasons. But JJ and Thielen have this fantastic matchup week one. And there's just there's so many ways to attack this defense. Knowing Mike Zimmer, he's gonna want Dalvin Cook to eat first. And we'll we'll see where it goes. But I do think, you know, right side of the line, those edge plays, those toss plays, the play actions, I think Vikings get after this defense early and often. Uh, yeah, I think Shinobi Wuzi is solid as a corner. He was with Dallas as a number two, and he did a pretty good job other than last year where he got thrust into being the number one, and then he got hurt. Um, I think him and Trey are actually somewhat similar, not how they play, but just in what I would expect, where they'll get beat a little bit, but they're not huge liabilities. Eli Apple, huge liability, unless he shows that he's better this year, and he's going to be starting this game. So this is – if I was the Vikings offensive coordinator – the Bengals love playing cover one and cover three, which leaves Jesse Bates single high, able to roam side to the sideline, which is great. Except that leaves your cornerbacks on an island against vertical or outside. Uh, so what I would do if I was a Vikings offensive coordinator, I'd come out in that fullback, tight end, make the Bengals only play two, two cornerbacks because Mike Hilton's probably not playing outside. Um, and then if they match in base, I'd look over – is Eli Apple one-on-one with one of these guys and let's run some type of isolation route, a comeback, something 
something like that and just see like can he hang with them and if not let's do this until they uh till they react and change this uh that was Felt more confident before Trey Waynes got hurt about the Bengals' chances. I was like, "Ah, oh, this is not the team to not, to have a liability at cornerback." So, give me your one. So, we if I had to spotlight a Bengals player that I felt like was going to give us a scare, I'm going with Tyler Boyd. Now, I know you have T. Higgins. I know you have Jamar Chase. I like Tyler Boyd's game. I think Tyler Boyd deserves a chance to be you guys' number one receiver. Like, that guy is great. Great hands, great speed, great routes. I think he's really good. He scares me a little bit, especially if he's not going to be covered by Brashad Breland. We don't know how good Patrick Peterson is. We haven't seen him all preseason. So I think Tyler Boyd has a chance to eat a little bit. So if you had to... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, the only thing with him is... He's almost exclusively in the slot, so he'd face Mackenzie Alexander, which might be the best mm. cornerback that the Vikings are throwing out there. I have no idea because these old guys, maybe they have a resurgence like Terrence Newman. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's the only thing that concerns me. I'm, I'm not really going to disagree that Tyler Boyd, pound for pound, might be the best wide receiver on the team, and he could still eat against Mackenzie Alexander. He's a very good wide receiver. But that was the only thing is that I think I don't think he'll face Breland or Peterson too much. That actually might give us a better matchup. Uh, Mac Alexander, probably one of the most underrated slot corners in the NFL. Right before he left Mike Zimmer to go to the Bengals, uh, he was like great at like the last part of like that 2019 season. He was like the highest graded slot corner in the NFL. So that actually might give us a solid matchup. But if you had to choose one guy out of our plethora of stars that we have on our team <laughs> give us one guy that scares you one guy that that you think just completely wrecks your game plan offensively or defensively yeah before the wayne's injury i was gonna go with cook but now i'll go with jefferson uh i think he's the better of the two receivers i think Thielen's very good but what is he 30 31 31 i think or 31? 30 30 almost 31 yeah, so, I mean, he's getting to the age where he's winning more with his mind and <laughs> his routes, quickness, change direction, not his speed anymore. Uh, Jefferson still has that speed to go with everything he does. He runs routes so weird, too. I was watching film on him, and he, he's, like, so herky-jerky left and right where it just makes it so uncomfortable for the corner. He's, like, it feels like he's moving to the left and right, but he's just coming right at me. Uh yeah, he scares me the most. I would not be surprised if this is like a 10-catch, 150-yard game. Like, not that surprised. Like, that could happen with him and Eli Apple unless uh, our defensive coordinator really, I don't know, maybe does something to hide Eli Apple, whether that's giving a safety over top of him every snap or bracketing or anything of that sort. But if, they're, if we're going to come out and we're going to play single high and just – yeah, Eli, you're the fourth corner. Go ahead. You could take him. That's probably not going to work out well. Thoughts, Tyler? Who uh, who do you see on the Vikings and on the Bear, on the uh, Bengals? Who do you think will wreck our game plan? And who do you see on the Vikings kind of just going off week one? You know, I as far as uh, wrecking the Vikings game plan, I think it's going to end up being a Jamar Chase. Uh, I... Look, I was not very high on Jamar Chase coming out. I thought he was not going to be worth the draft selection. 
just because he struggled to separate in college. When you struggle to separate in college, that that's not a recipe for separating the National Football League. But what he does is he plays bully ball. He utilizes great body positioning. He can extend and catch, and he's phenomenal in jump ball situations. Now, the Vikings' corners are a little bit bigger, and they're not very fast. But I think that uh, with the age of Patrick Peterson and how Brashad Breeland plays football, I think Jamar Chase can utilize his body to out-muscle those two players. And I think that he can – and maybe even Cam Dancer, even though Dancer kind of owned him in college, Dancer's kind of had a little bit of a struggle most of the offseason and preseason. So uh, I think Chase can have a successful game and really turn around what was an incredibly disappointing uh, training camp in preseason for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, as far as somebody I think who could wreck the, the game plan for uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, I'm going to throw a wild card out there, Chris Herndon. We don't know what he's going to be in this offense, but if they utilize him and he's comfortable enough with the playbook, they utilize him like Irv Smith Jr. was going to be utilized. Like you said earlier, Deshaun, you thought Irv Smith Jr. was going to eat against this defense. There's no reason with what Herndon's skill set is, if they're comfortable enough with how he's practiced with the team and his knowledge of the playbook, that he can't do the same thing. There are a lot of variables there, and it's a little bit of a dark throw. But with how this defense plays, how Irv Smith was going to be able to eat up the seams, uh, crossers, and all of those things, Herndon can do the same thing. Um, I'm going to adjust your dart throw just a little bit. You know, we got to mention him. You know, we got baby Gronk on the sideline, and I'm going to mention him until he makes a catch or catches a touchdown. He's going to be on the show every week. <laughs> Listen, I'm waiting for Tyler Conklin's breakout season just so he can leave us and go somewhere else and be great. <laughs> but watch out for Tyler Conklin, like, like, 10 catches, 100-yard, two-touchdown game, calling it right now. <laughs> if I was actually going to pick somebody on, on the Bengals, you guys both pick wide receivers, but I'd go T. Higgins. He's 6'4". He got bigger, worked on his body. He's he's the guy that I would pick that could actually have a big game. Um, I think he might end up being the best receiver on this team this year, uh, which is, say, with Tyler Boyd. I mean, it's three good receivers, but – Jamar Chase's first game at NFL action, he's still struggling with concentration and stuff. I could see it. He could have some great game. He's the fastest of the receivers, even if the 4-3-4-40 is pretty made up. He's not faster than Deshaun Jackson. It is. <laughs> LSU, LSU came out with funny numbers. I could see 4-4. But... Chase is a mid-4-4s guy. I would have had him pegged between 4-4-5 and 4-5. Yeah, T. Higgins is – I think he ran like a four five five, but I think he's more like a four five flat when he plays. He's not slow. He's yes. like average speed. Um, I think he could really have a good game, but the problem becomes if we're going to throw the ball. I mean, are we going to get much off <laughs> with the pressure coming? Uh, other than first and second down, it just becomes like on third down. I don't know. Other than like third and three, third and two, third and maybe even four that's where you can maybe take your five-step drops. But, man, throwing anything that takes more than two seconds is going to scare me this week just because of the pass rush that's going to be coming, especially if it's third and long Mm -hmm. where it almost becomes, hey, what if we went for like eight yards and then we just went for it on fourth down too? (laughs) You know, let's just get this ball out quick. And I think that's my biggest fear for this game for the Vikings because we know – I mean, I – was talking about Weatherly all offseason, but you know, I I know he ain't I know he's not all that. 
I know he's uh, – I know most of the guys that contribute here don't like Weatherly, but my fear is that the Bengals will be able to, like you said, chip and help with Daniel Hunter, and it leaves Weatherly and Wanham on an island by themselves and are not able to win those matchups. I think Joe Burrow is a very good quarterback. Coming off an of injury or not, Joe Burrow is a smart guy. He's athletic. He can move. I think he might. He probably won't try to move, but if you give him time, he will shift the pocket. He will create lanes to throw the football. He's a good football player. If you don't get pressure on him, it doesn't matter who your cornerbacks are. You're probably going to get chewed up. So I think if Hunter is not able to affect the game plan as much, if we're not really getting that interior pressure that we would like, I'm afraid the Bengals might come out, you know, score a quick 14 points, and then the game is just unraveled and Cousins is panicking and we can't run the football like we want to. So just the classic Vikings meltdown, because that's how it always happens. And mm-hmm. good point that Everson is in rotation. And we talked about this a couple shows ago that Everson might end up playing more than originally thought because those two on the other side kind of disappointed in the preseason. I think they named Wanham the starter, which is kind of surprising because I thought Weatherly had the better preseason. But either way, those two have been under underwhelming so you're gonna put your guy out there especially if the game starts to get out of hand a little bit if they're converting a little too many third downs if they're getting too many yards on first down might see a lot more of Everson Griffin very early yeah uh I think the quick pass game could work it's uh that's what I mean when I say I stay say stay ahead of the chains it doesn't just mean run your wide zone inside zone stuff for four yards, one play, three yards, the other, so that you're in third and three. It's, you know, throw your stick routes and your slant routes to get to get five, six yards at a time, too, because these, these West Coast staples like that, those are almost like extensions of the running game at this point. And the Bengals even run some speed out and a tiny bit of glance RPOs, and that's a little bit of both, uh, a little bit of both a quick pass and a run same time, so... I think if they run a lot of that and some people will get upset, they're not taking shot plays, but it's like, uh, yeah, but we're taking the high percentage. Let's not let Zimmer cook against us. Uh, that just, whenever I think of this game is if I think of it, like I'm the Bengals offensive coordinator, it's like, we really got to pound the quick game. We got to pound the run game this week and we'll get some shot plays in there, but not as often as I don't know, other weeks, like when the Bengals would play, the Lions? Yeah, that sounds like a good team that you could take a shot play on. <laughs> All right, bold predictions, Mike. Give me one. Give me a score prediction. Give me a bold prediction. Yeah, bold. Pre- the score prediction will not be very bold. I mean, maybe Vikings fans think I'm being too much of a Bengals fan here, but uh, 24-21 Vikings. Uh, I think it's a field goal. Maybe more, maybe, maybe a little bit tighter. I think the Bengals keep it within reason unless there's – some sack fumbles and things like that with the pressure. Um, bold prediction. Whew, he doesn't get many. I think DJ Reader gets a sack against um, Garrett Bradbury. I think Garrett Bradbury has skill set where it's mostly his athleticism, the block wide zone and stuff. But he struggles a little bit with power and he's got short arms. I mean, DJ Reader is a 330-pound dude with a good bull rush. I could see him getting a sack. I'll just call one. I don't want to get crazy. I think he might only end up with like three sacks on the year, so I'm not going to call two-sack game in this one. <laughs> I'll just call one one sack for DJ Reader, which doesn't sound that bold, but, you know, he doesn't get too many. 
Yeah. Yeah, Deidre, he's not much. In the, he's a big guy, not a big pass rush guy. I'm, I'm not sure how many snaps he played last season, Did but Too he, many. I think he, he did he, did not, he, how many, how many games not, did he play? That. Yeah, so he got hurt and he played the most snaps of his career for us. It, it, he was playing like sometimes 50 snaps in a game. And when you're 330 plus pounds, I mean, that's, that's a lot. He was only doing like 30 in Houston. So I, I think the reason the Bengals draft somebody like Tyler Shelvin is who's also 340, 350 pounds, is that you can give him a quick break. You can give him an extra 10 plays off. So that's why that's why I said too many. I don't want people to think like, ah, oh, DJ Reader sucks, sucks that he's playing too many snaps. It's no, I want to keep him fresh so that uh, he can be as good as he can be. Um, he only played like five games, so uh, tore a quad. Uh, okay. And then in those five games, I think Reader only like managed like four pressures. So he's not a big, not like you said, not a big pass rush guy. But I feel like everybody's a big pass rush guy against Bradbury. So, uh, Tyler, give me your bold prediction and your score prediction. Bold prediction: uh, Kirk Cousins has a PFF grade under sixty. I just, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think it has anything to do with. Uh, uh, how poor the Bengals defense is. I just think he's going to come out and struggle week one, um, especially with the massive expectations on this team. Um, losing Irv Smith Jr., who he was building a chemistry with, and we still are not 100% sure on the offensive line. We're relatively confident that they can handle the Bengals defensive line, but we just don't know at this point. And I think all those things considered, plus Kirk has a long history of getting off two slow starts. I think it's going to combine uh, and compile and we're going to see him have a little bit of a struggle game. As far as a score prediction, I'm going to go uh, 27-17. I think the Vikings end up taking the victory here. I think that Dalvin Cook has a very big game, and they're going to utilize a lot of wide zone concepts to try and eliminate the effectiveness of DJ Reader. I think that while there are a couple of good players in the linebacking court, it's not a strength, and Jesse Bates is more of a deep safety than strong safety. But And with his greatness... If your free safety is making a lot of tackles, that's not necessarily a good thing for your football team. So all things considered, I think the Vikings come out and get a victory. I think it's going to be a hard fought. We're going to come out of this game with some frustrations. And I think the Bengals are going to take a step forward in their progression with their young quarterback. And I think he's going to get his footing a little bit after that devastating knee injury. But it's not going to be so, as some context on Tyler's boat prediction, Kirk Cousins only had two games last season under a 60 PFF grade. Obviously, that game against Indianapolis where he was awful. And then, surprisingly, the game against Jacksonville when the entire team was awful. So, Cousins is not one to have that grade under 60. So, if we get, the, he, we get there, we might be in trouble. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I apologize. I was in my head thinking QBR, not PFF grade. Ah, uh, I mean. So uh, let me let let me rephrase that. You stick with the bowl this player. I like to take. <laughs> All right. Uh, keep it well, keep it bold. Keep it bold. I'll keep it bold. I'll keep it bold. So my pro prediction, um, I have Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson going over three hundred combined total offensive yards and three touchdowns i believe they did this week three against the titans i want to say it was like i think they had like 320 something and like three touchdowns i think they do it again week one i think we beat the Bengals 34 17 
I think it's a pretty, pretty easy win. I think, <laughs> I think we get off to a hot start. I think Mike Zimmer gets off to a hot start. Mike Zimmer is coming to this game peed off, man. He's going against a former team. He's playing with guys that he actually likes. Because if you hear his press conference today, he says most of the guys that were playing for him last year are backups. He did not like those guys. He's playing with a group of guys that he likes, a group of guys that can run his scheme correctly. I think the Vikings dominate time of possession, something that they were not allowed to, they weren't able to do last season. I think Cook gets off to a hot start, and then once Cook is going, everything else heats up. I was hoping Mike Zimmer would be nice to us. <laughs> a little soft spot. He comes home, everybody's cheering for him. Everybody loves him out here. They, they, he's going to get a, like a standing ovation when he walks in. And maybe he'll soften up a little bit. Instead of bringing the pressure, he drops Zimmer soften up. The only way Zimmer <laughs> yeah. softens up is if uh, Spielman trades Kirk for Teddy. That's about the only way he'll soften up. <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe just just once in a while, you're like, yeah, let's let's not kill Joe Burrow. We already have five quarterback hits. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave. You- bold bold prediction, score prediction. I know you got one. <laughs> I don't like doing those. They are always wrong. Nope. Bold prediction. I will have at least three IPAs down before we start the final score when the whistle blows. Oh, that sounds like maybe Kirk throws an interception. You got to prepare an IPA for it. Oh, trust me. That's if it gets one of those games, it's maybe six. <laughs> Double IPAs, I you know, with an ABV around ten percent. Yeah, yes. bourbon barrel, bourbon barrel. So. I've had those games before. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike. As we're closing out, uh, tell the viewers where they can find your work and where they can follow you on Twitter. Yeah, uh, at Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter. Really, you'll find everything there. But if you don't have a Twitter. Uh, and you want to follow the Bengals for whatever reason, Locked on Bengals, I'm on about once a week. And All Bengals, the Sports Illustrated affiliate for the Bengals, I write there. Uh, going to be more than one article a week, but that's what I was doing. But now that the season's kicking up, more of that to do. So, ah, a lot of fun. Uh, I felt like I got beat up at the end with people predicting 34-17, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, it's still fun. I, I enjoyed coming on. All right, and shout out to Dave with all the graphics. Did a fantastic job. Got some really cool mm-hmm. pictures up here, like making us look real professional. Uh, Tyler, man, take us home. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, thank you once again for coming on. Dave, great job producing Deshaun. You as well for holding the ship down while I was just getting back from a wonderful weekend in Chicago. With that being said, thank you, everybody, in the comments. Mary, Raymond, Viking Jerome, we see you. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. And until next week, when we finally have a game to talk about, this is where you keep your Mondays purple. Hey, Skull Vikes, man. Everybody have a... Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climbing the Pockets.